Folks, welcome to Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans, for the fans. And today, I am tag teaming. It is not a solo effort today. We have my tag team partner in the building, Sean Hubbard from Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. Tag team venture going on right here. What is going on, Sean? All right, what up, man? Listen, everybody, you already know what it is, and you already know where you have reached the number one up-and-coming professional wrestling podcast anywhere in the world. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly Collabo with Everything Pro Wrestling. You got the best of the best, you know what I'm saying? This is Triple H tagging with Austin in 2001. You feel me? Let's get it. I'm here. And we're taking all the gold. Hey. No, uh, <laughs> we, we're here to do part two, for those who haven't seen it yet, of the Ric Flair career retrospective. Um, we're going to have a good time talking about it. We're also going to run down everything that's going to be on Fight TV for Ric Flair's last match. We got sure. a lot of goodness going on for this one. I'm going to let uh, Sean kick things off and take the reins here for this podcast episode, my man. Yeah, listen, listen. Once again, so happy to be here, man. Big shout out to my family. Big shout out to everybody listening. You know what I'm saying? Conrad, appreciate you, my brother. And yes, like you just said, we have a major, this is the beginning of a major week in the world of professional wrestling, man. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a time when, you know, SummerSlam week would be, you know, dominating. You know, there would be nothing else. But this Ric Flair last match situation and the Ric Flair roast coming up on Fight TV on Friday night, you know, just the whole StarCast rundown that's going to be taking place from the 29th all the way to the 31st. This is truly epic. But before we get into that, and believe me, we're going to get really deep into StarCast card and everything going on for Ric Flair's last match and the we got GTW coming up. It's going to be crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything's going down in Nashville. But we have you covered right here on EPW slash Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. So we're going to continue the Ric Flair retrospective. We left you guys on Friday of last week with, with the 1994 fiasco of Hogan defeating Flair in his backyard. Um, you know what I'm saying? The powers that be. Conrad gave some insightful... Uh, outlook on on why he felt that Ric Flair may have lost that match from the powers that be standpoint. I still think it's completely bogus and ridiculous, but we had to deal what we had to deal with back in July of 1994. This is July 2022, so we're going to get into the Ric Flair retrospective part two. So after Ric Flair lost that match, Conrad, the fateful night in July uh, of, of 1994, where Hogan came from WWE uh, via Blunder in Paradise. No, I did not misspeak. I said Blunder in Paradise. That was oh, oh my god! Um, you know they gave Hogan the dub and Ric Flair the the grizzled um, NWA WCW hero took the L. But the problem is that it wouldn't stop there. Ric Flair on pay per view would go on an epic. Epic losing streak. Do you remember the losing streak that he went on in late 94 going into 95? I just I remember, just remember being hit by, by uh, uh, what they what did they with the horse, horse and, and no man and everything else. 100%, but even before then, bro, I'm talking about – okay, here, let me set the stage for you. The problem is that when Ric Flair – Ric Flair was so benevolent as it related to not having a problem – letting anybody else go over that he continued to do so over and over and over again to the point where they just took advantage of him. Let's just go down the line, bro. Bash at the beach. We know he lost to Hogan. He lost the rematch at clash of the champions. 
Then he lost a career match in October at Halloween Havoc. They brought him back just to lose again. And then he lost to Savage. And then he lost to Savage again. And then he lost to Hogan again. He went on a pay-per-view losing streak that was of epic proportion. And then, to your point, then they're like, okay, you know what we're going to do? What we're going to do is, this is the sound of WCW idiots. What we're going to do is, we're going to say, okay, Rick, we know that you're making, we're making you lose every single month on pay-per-view. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Now what we're going to do is we're going to have the horsemen, the horsemen break up. The only thing that ever made sense, you and Arn Anderson being on the same team, like, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's have you guys fight against each other. It, it felt weird when they did that. That To me, see, that's what I remember. That was like the cherry on top where I'm like, where are we going with Ric Flair? Like, this dude was the face of WCW. And what happened? Like, how did we get to the point where we're like, you know, Arn and Rick could be in a big program against each other? Who who said that? Like, that would not be said. Let me tell you something. This is booking at its worst, bro. It's booking at its worst. You know, I know that the following year's Halloween Havoc, they, they, they the payoff was for them to get back together. But they really did try and break them up, Conrad. And it just didn't work. It was so bad. It was so awful that they decided to bring them right back together. But anyway, Ric Flair goes on this epic losing streak in WCW from 94 going through 95. And then... Something really, you know, the, the whole horseman fiasco, so many different incarnations of the, of the horseman. But then WCW, which seems to be at its worst, is going to get a whole lot better. Maybe not better for Ric Flair, but a whole lot better for the fans. Uh, can you please talk about what happened in July? Of, it seems like July is a big year, a big, big month. Every, every time I open my mouth, I'm talking about July, and we're in July. How cool is that? July 1996, something really crazy happens. I believe this is when the WWF was gearing up for, I'm playing, I'm playing, (laughs) when the NWO is formed. Um, One of the absolute most bonker moments, I think, in pro wrestling. Like, I can remember the night after on Nitro, I think it was. Do you remember the, like, there it was it was either the night after or like a week or two later they were outside and do you remember like there was like a little i hate saying this a little old lady kind of sitting in the front she took a swing at hogan people were mad like my mom was like wait hulk hogan's a bad guy now it went insane it was nuts absolutely insane and you know for me as a as a wcw fan fan i will say that real tongue in cheek but i was a fan But NWO just kicked it up to a high gear. But the problem I had was that I still was a Ric Flair fan. And Ric Flair was getting steamrolled. You hear me? Ric Flair was getting steamrolled by the NWO. This is the former, at this time, 11, 12-time heavyweight champion of the world. This is Ric freaking Flair, Conrad. Like, don't you disrespect this. I mean, you're making the horsemen look like little kids. NWO is winning every match. I mean, from and it wasn't even just July of '96. It started way back in May. Uh, it was uh, it was Memorial Day, Memorial Day, 1996, and it just kept rolling and rolling. The payoff obviously was Hogan joining the NWO. It's not a Hogan show, so we're not going to get too deep into that. But talk about. Do you remember how bad it? was? Rick Flair was getting beat every week. 
So I, I have two feelings on this. I thought that Ric Flair had a little resurgence too, to where, okay, it looks like they're starting to form something for him. I always thought they had plans for him because now it looked like, okay, they fixed the him and Arn thing kind of quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, let's put, let's put Pillman with Arn and let's get Ben. Like they started working on something. So I had hope, but it wasn't full fruition just yet. And we were still kind of seeing things. Um, I can't remember. Did Flair win the title? He won the title before the NWO formed, I believe. Yeah, he, right. won, he won one at Starcade 95. No, no, no. He, Him and the Giant had a match. I remember this match. Ric Flair got dog-walked by the Giant. Green and green tights, yellow boots. I, I will always remember this. Oh, man. The Giant chokeslam. Like, he was the champ for a little bit. He put him in the figure four, and the Giant just grabbed him and was like, sorry, wow. bro, and slammed okay. him down and beat him. And I'll always remember that. And I was like, dang. And I think that might have been the run to where Giant had the bell, NWO takes it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it was it was hard being Ric Flair probably during this time. Like this was the beginning of I think Flair was so nice to his opponents that he didn't realize where this was leading to yet. You know, there was a lot of to it. It made me feel like Ric Flair lost his steam, man. It was like, is the greatest of all time going down now, bro? It's like it didn't feel good. But the NWO was on the rise, and, and it just kind of steamrolled from there. You had different incarnations of the NWO. NWO Black and White, the original, you know, Black and White Express. Then you had the Wolf Pack, you know. What I'm saying NWO Elite, you know, NWO all all these different. Yeah, it was bad. Elite NWO B Team, <laughs> NWO B Team led by our good friend uh, Stevie Ray. I think Stevie Ray was the captain of that team, along with Brian Adams and Virgil and those guys. And I mean, it just it just got really bad. But then it got even worse. Like then it's like you're starting to pick for straws. So we're talking about two or three years of the NWO's reign, and Ric Flair, then what? Ric Flair all of a sudden becomes, like, the president of WCW in 1999. Like, after a couple of years where he just kind of was, like, fledgling and going downward and downward spiral. Like, all of a sudden, Ric Flair is president of WCW. Do you remember that run of him as president? Oh, I clearly do. Um, yeah. Dude, what, I don't know what they were doing. Like... They we went on this journey with Ric Flair that I don't know what happened. Ric Flair was someone who was held in high regard. He yeah. was the person that you built WCW upon when it was last good. And he came back and I I have a soft spot in my heart, Sean, for like the years of like ninety-two to ninety-four a little bit. Like I thought there was some good stuff mixed in there. And then when we get to ninety-five, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? And they, they, I felt like they lost their minds with Hogan and they tried to go back to the 80s and they were like, this ain't working. We got to do something different. And I think Flair was seen as part of, they basically wanted to get away from all the 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. So once again, I'm putting myself in Bischoff's shoes a little bit. I don't want any of this 80s stuff on my show. Okay. Tunnel vision. How do we get away from it? But when you think of the 80s, what do you think of? Red and yellow Hogan. And who's the other guy? Right there on our screen. Woo! The Nature Boy Ric Flair. That is 80s wrestling at its finest. Yes. You do not want that. You do not yeah. want the guys running around looking like this. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that Flair, that picture right there is Flair 101. Yeah, and then we ended up scooting around. Like I said, Flair did get some title reigns later on. He did He did get to do some, some different things, as you can see with the shorter cut. But when we get into this territory, bro, the picture that I got up right now, 
when we get into the Ric Flair 99 wearing the, the black shirt and wrestling like in his dress clothes, what have we done? What have we done to Ric Flair? I'd even want to put the pictures up when he cut his when they cut his hair. Like I can't even look at him like that because it's not Ric Flair to me. Right. It was disrespectful, man. It was disrespectful. And it was like go ahead, please. No, I was gonna say, do you think once they brought in David, he felt stuck? I think they brought in David, and I think Ric Flair wanted his son to get over and wanted to help his son, but I do think he got stuck at that point. I think it was kind of like this kind of like career, like running your, you know, just basically, you know, your car running in mud and you can't really go anywhere, like running in snow and you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, most definitely. And I want to acknowledge the people who came in the chat. You guys came in once the the talk had started. Uh, Shout out to Jason Peace, who has joined us. Appreciate you. Joel, I see you in the chat as well, brother. Sonny. Sonny, what is going on? Sonny, Sonny was upset. We're bringing bad memories back about Ronnie Garvin. Uh, we, I apologize. We, we kind of glossed over that in the last one. But, yeah, Ronnie Garvin's a tough pill for Sonny to swallow. Mr. Pro Wrestling 1 says hi. And we got Ray from Respect the Craft saying you're What's good, Ray? Welcome, 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 welcome. Chime in with your thoughts, please, everybody. I mean, I you know, we, we just we just want to talk about the greatness of Ric Flair, and obviously, there's some other aspects to Ric Flair. And the president, the president of WCW thing was kind of crazy. You know what? I I got to bring up some good parts too, though. Like I did like the Bischoff and him feud. That was one of my favorite parts, kind of like. So I used to be the guy who would watch the first hour of Nitro and then kind of mm-hmm. go over to what had to be done next. And one of my favorite ones, they're all in the tuxedos. Flair's back in the ring. The horsemen are back. Everybody's, woo, Flair's crying. And Bischoff comes out. He's like, you're done, pal. He's like, fire. I'm already fired. Whoa. I'll just, I don't know why that always sticks with me. And I was I'm like, already fired. I remember that. He was tripping. He was just tripping. He didn't care about nothing. And then I think that him going off, and then when he started, like, taking off his clothes and elbow dropping his pants, I think that's where they were like, yeah, this dude's absolutely insane, and people decided to run with it and try to make fun of it a little bit. There was a promo he did um, in 99, early 99. where he give, was- give me that Mean Gene real quick. You got to say Mean Gene. Mean! Whoa! My God! <laughs> we... Have fun, we arrive. Woo! He did this cool promo in, in, in 90, 98, 99, where they were in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And basically what he did was he called out every famous North Carolinian in history. He called out Lawrence Taylor. He called out DJ Jaworski. He called out every, Mike. He's like, he's like, you don't want to be like Mike. You want to be like the nature boy. It was unbelievable. Ric Flair was on the mic, unparalleled. Even in a losing effort. He was losing every match, but he was still awesome. He knew what he was doing, though. He he was he was great on the microphone. He was he was, and that's the reason why the the president thing, even though it was bad as far as wrestling, it was awesome on the microphone. Like he was just every week was. I, mean, I remember one time he chopped Mongo. Like they, it was a horseman promo. It was a horseman promo, and the horsemen were in the ring, and to and to make his point, he he chopped Mongo. It was like, and Mongo wasn't even mad. He was surprised, but he was like. Uh, it was like Rick, you just chopped your own team. Listen, I going back, those dudes I, when I back at the time I didn't think Mongo was a horseman. Looking back now and hearing the stories of how Mongo was outside the rank, no, Mongo was a horseman. Mongo was definitely a horseman. He proved me wrong. He proved me wrong. Him joining the horseman was really weird to me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was interesting. 
Um, I remember when they tried to put Jeff Jarrett and Kurt Henning in there too. Those always felt very, I think Kurt could have worked, but Jarrett, Jarrett just never felt right. I don't know. I never, I could never get with it. Kurt Henning. Let's talk about Kurt Henning a little bit. I know it's a very show, but can we, can we dive into Kurt Henning? They got history. They got history, bro. All right, so Kurt Henning and, and Ric Flair's chemistry, it goes back years. You know what I'm saying? The 92 Survivor Series, he was the executive consultant at WrestleMania 8. Like, I mean, matter of fact, Ric Flair was, was tied at the hip with Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, from the time he walked into WWE in 91. That was automatically his executive consultant. Bobby Eaton was doing commentary and didn't really feel like being ringside anymore. He had given up duties uh, of being Mr. Perfect's manager to the coach. And, uh, yeah, I, you should laugh at that because it's freaking pathetic. But, anyway, you go from Bobby Heenan, the greatest of all time, in my opinion, the greatest of all time, to the coach. Like, whatever. Anyway, so, but then Mr. Perfect hurts his back, um, legitimately hurts his back, and he does everything in his power to get to SummerSlam to pass the torch to Bret Hart for the SummerSlam match in 91 to, to become Intercontinental Champion. But the thing for me is that, like, first of all, how classy is that? Because he had so much respect for Bret Hart. He had to get there, right? He got there and did what he had to do. So 91 rolls around. We're, we're going, I know we talked about this in the previous show, but we didn't really get into the, the, the Kurt Henning impact on Ric Flair. So let's talk about that for a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, Mr. Perfect becomes Ric Flair's executive consultant. And it was so freaking cool. I loved them together. They were amazing. Like, you talk about perfect for each other. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. They It just fit. And I think it was more so even about the where, – where did Flair come from, right? The AWA, that's where perfect's from. I think there was just a culture and a camaraderie that was there. The only thing that felt weird to me was I always felt like – so there's certain wrestlers, dude. Don't get mad at me, anybody in the chat. But there are certain wrestlers I feel like, yo, this dude is like the the old the old the older dude. So when I see like Regal, Regal was always like 30 or 40 years old to me. That dude was like 22 probably when I was watching him walk around, but he looked old. So when Flair, he, I think he the same thing. He looked like he was 30, yes. Rick Flair's like always been 40 or 50 years old to me, the way he acts, the way he moved around. And I thought Mr. Perfect was the young one. So I'm like, this is weird that the younger dude's managing the older dude. At least that's what it felt like. And yeah, dude, they were they worked really well together. I thought they even had some really good matches. And I thought that WCW was the perfect place for when someone was starting to slow down, get in the smaller ring. Come on, we can do some stuff in here. We can make some things work. And it was good to see Kurt Henning get back into the ring and still show, I can do this still. The man hit a perfect plex on the Giants, for goodness sakes. Beast. So un- unparalleled, like you said. And uh, I'm looking at the chat right now. Uh, Joel was feeling that impression. He said, you guys slipped between Raw and Nitro in the 90s. Great, great times. 100%, man. Uh, poor Mongo isn't well right now. Prayers up to uh, Mongo McMichael. Like Steve Mongo McMichael is uh, struggling right now. I've seen some pictures. Uh, prayers up to him. Um, Connor No Soccer said, what's going on, fellas? How you doing, Connor? Uh, Joel said, I agree. Mongo was a horseman. For sure now. For sure. Um, they did what they could back then, man. Right? They, they tried to do some different things. They tried to bring up that... Uh, they, what did they do with Flair? They, they had him go to the desert with the filthy animals. They buried him in the desert. 
They tried to do the whole he's crazy thing out of the mental hospital. They tried to do so many different things to uh, to lessen Ric Flair. And then by the end, when it seemed like they were starting to try to get things together, they put a group together. What was it called? The Magnificent Seven? Was that the name of it? They had Roll Warrior Animal in this with Rick Steiner in them. And listen, Flair's, Flair is no perfect man. He had his beef with plenty of people in the company from uh, Scott Steiner to, to whoever, right? But at the end, I didn't think they were using Flair to his best role. They tried. It seemed like they were trying to regulate him to being a manager or an authority figure, and that's where they wanted him to stay. They wanted to try to get younger. Um, but then we all know what happens eventually. Sean, I'm going to kick it to you. What happens to WCW not too long after that time period? I don't know, man. They just—I don't know. For some reason, they just stopped being on television. I don't know. Somebody, somebody—I don't know. Somebody McMahon, somebody. I don't know. He doesn't run WWE anymore, so I forget his name. What's his name again? Uh, The guy who used to to run WWE. What's his name again? Vince McMahon. Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. They'll start this. They'll start this. That guy. So, so, so Vince McMahon buys the competition. In my opinion, still the worst thing that could have happened in professional wrestling was when Ric Flair, when, excuse me, when Vince McMahon bought WCW because the competition went away. And it was really a bad thing for, for the business, in my opinion. But you had a situation where Ric Flair uh, was coming up. His contract was coming up. But if you guys remember, um, AOL purchased WCW beforehand, Right. So when AOL purchased WCW and basically Ted Turner was the only guy, even though he was the most influential guy, but he was the only guy who really wanted wrestling around. So when he lost the company, when he sold the company, the powers that be in WCW or AOL or whatever you want to call it, they didn't want wrestling anymore. So basically from there, WCW kind of became a secondary priority and they sold and they sold it to their comp- their competitor Vince McMahon and you know there were some contracts that came right over the DDPs the Booker T's um you know the Canyons the 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 you know the Hurricane Helmses you know there's a few guys that came they came over right away but there were a couple guys that didn't come over right away the Goldbergs didn't come over right away Scott Steiner didn't come over right away and there was another guy from Charlotte North Carolina that didn't come over right away but he he eventually did he eventually did. The, per- the company was purchased in March, and Ric Flair showed up in November. And uh, when Stephanie and Shane sold their stock to that consortium, the consortium, woo! The consortium was me. <laughs> Ric Flair. Um, I thought that was a great moment. And you know what really like makes me upset about that whole thing? Ric Flair, they waited all that time. Imagine if you had Flair involved in that. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine if Flair had helped them win that invasion or something. You could have really put some spark into it. They teased us with, like, oh, Austin's back on Team WWF. You could have did something right then and there with that. Right. But I'm sure maybe they were trying to get the paperwork together. Maybe maybe they were trying to figure it out. But Ric Flair coming in, I thought it was a big deal. I remember being excited when he uh, first came out with Vince and he was trying to show off like, oh, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your partner, partner. And I just remember Vince doing that stupid ear thing. I, to this day, do not know what that was. No clue, bro. I was just like, uh, all right, cool, I guess, if that's what we're doing. We're not. 
this led to him and Vince having some matches. Um, any memories of those? Anything like, did you think anything of them? I mean, I like the promos. You know, Ric Flair had a really passionate promo. I don't know how real it was, but he talked about how in WCW, when he came over from WCW to WWE 92 and had a 91 and then had the WrestleMania match, he, he, that he was in the shower after the match and Vince peeked his head in the shower and said, hey, Great match, kid, but, you know, you should have done this, that, and the third. And Ric Flair was like, who the hell are you to tell Ric Flair how to wrestle? You know, and it kind of led to this kind of ultimate feud that they would culminate at the – well, we thought would culminate at the Royal Rumble. I thought the Royal Rumble match was good in 2002. I did. I thought that they both, these two old men, let's call it what they are, did a good job in 2002. But Ric Flair, if you look back historically, Ric Flair doesn't think he did a good job. 0203 Vince was on another level, bro. I was like, there ain't no way this dude's that jacked. There's no way he came out like you. Who's ready for war? <laughs> Vince has always been in good shape, but 0203, he looked like a savage. Yeah, yeah. And I remember he was coming out in the flare robe with the wig, doing his walk, making fun of him, and he hit him with the pipe and everything. That was flare, that was McMahon's, excuse me, like main weapon of choice. And he was bleeding gushers too in like every match. It, it, it was uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah. And, and I guess this kind of starts to lead to all right, so what do we do with Flair? Flair is starting to lose power, but Flair seems like he wants to get back in the ring. But during this time period, Sean, Ric Flair has stated that he felt like he lost his confidence in 2002. Did you feel it? Did you see that same thing, or did you not notice it when Flair brought it up? I didn't, honestly, Conrad. I didn't. I thought that he had a good match with Guerrero at, at, at the King of the Ring. I thought he had a good match with Jericho uh, at, at, at SummerSlam. I thought the, I thought the whole um, – I thought that – you know, I thought that he did well. I, I don't I don't know what he was really lacking in his own mind as it related to this one last run that he said he was going to go on in 2022, excuse me, 2022, 2002. Um, but I guess he was dissatisfied. I didn't see anything wrong with him at all. I felt like I could tell a little bit. Um, right now I got up here, if, you watch, if you're watching live on YouTube, the uh, WrestleMania 18 match. And... I don't know how many people know this part of the story. Undertaker really didn't have any WrestleMania plans for WrestleMania 18 yet. Vince calls him into the office and he says, listen, um, I've got some people for you. Here's who's left on the card. You can pick and choose who you want to face. I can't remember the third name, but I do remember the two names. He had to choose between Rob Van Dam Mm -hmm. and Ric Flair. And Undertaker looked at it and he said, give me Flair. And most people were like, wait, what? RVD was the hottest commodity at that time. Like, I think people really wanted Rob Van Dam to be a big deal in WWE. And you would think most people would say, hey, I want to work with him. But no. I could tell Flair lost his confidence a little bit, even back then in the ring. He didn't seem like the same Ric Flair. But is that why you bring up WrestleMania 8? Because I thought WrestleMania 8 was an instant classic. WrestleMania 18? 18, 18, thank you. All right, I was going to say, we're going 10 years back now. Sorry sorry about that. WrestleMania, I thought that was an instant classic. That was. It was a really good match. So from this point forward, I would say Flair had his moments, and it was weird. Like, he had the match with Taker, really good. You brought up the match with Eddie Guerrero, really good. He had a match with Brock. I thought it was really good. good. Even Hogan. He was having all right matches, but Flair just didn't have the confidence in himself. 
And you know what I'm talking about. Flair will walk around with a certain um, moxie, I guess is the best word I can use to describe it, where he's panting around, he's strutting, he knows. He knows he's the man in the ring. He knows nobody can touch him. And he wasn't acting like that. Something was missing from him at that time. And I guess this we can get into part of it, too. And during the struggle, this is going to bring up the infamous thing that people with Ric Flair, there's good. And with Ric Flair, there's bad. It's, we got to bring up the infamous plane ride from hell. And I guess Flair's poor behavior throughout his time in his career, which oh did happen from time to time. Well, uh, <laughs> I, you know, we weren't there, but, you know, it's. It, Stories, you know, show and the record shows that Ric Flair was a little bit inappropriate to the flight attendants. Allegedly, allegedly inappropriate with some of the flight attendants or whatever the case may be. I don't know. The bottom line is it was, and everybody was misbehaving on that flight from what I understand. It wasn't just Ric Flair. I don't want to say Ric Flair. Misbehaving is a nice word. That's a word when you use with your kids running around at your house, jumping on the couch. These dudes were cutting off ponytails, singing. They were drinking all the liquor on the plane. The plane ride from hell is an infamous story. If you don't know about it, I would recommend you look it up after this. But there, there was some terrible behavior going on. And for years, people have said the stories about Flair putting on the robe. He comes out. He'll go in front of the boys. He didn't care. He would, woo! That was part of Ric Flair's aura. That stuff was uh, going on during that time period. And he was struggling. Like I said, we're mentioning he's working with names, though, like Austin. Hogan, Undertaker, he he's getting the matches that he needs, but he he's not feeling it. He's not strutting his stuff. He's just going through the motions. It seems like, and he wasn't feeling it. And um, let me give a few shout outs here, real quick. Uh, Connor No Soccer said, "How many last matches has Flair had? Um, a lot, a, a lot, a great amount." Uh, shout out to Foul Original coming in here. He said, uh, hey, guys, got this on before Raw tonight. Appreciate that, Foul. And uh, HBK Tokyo says, the natural boy. Yeah, yeah, the nature boy was up in there doing his thing. But I want to bring up something, Sean, that I think <laughs> his own daughter stole his gimmick. Come on now. Come on now. You know Tokyo. She She is really good, though. It's in the, it runs in the family. I think the moment that changed his career, I want to see if we agree on this, Sean. I don't know how you're going to feel about it, but I'm going to put up the picture to when I think it all changed for him. Evolution. That was big. That was big. I didn't think it was big at the time, but it turned out to be huge. Now, were you a big – so tell me how you felt about Evolution overall because I think this was the resurgence for him to, like, get back on point. Oh, Oh, he was a fan. Or, or it was your guy, huh? I, 2004 Orton, I would have hung out with that guy. 2003, everybody says he was a jerk. 2003, 2004 Orton, we would have been in the clubs together getting all the girls. You would have been Orton, in jail for crashing them hotel rooms hanging out with them. That's true, too. But um, to answer your question, I thought Evolution was outstanding. It took, they had a couple of false starts in trying to get the thing off the ground because of injuries, but once they got together and the injuries fell by the wayside and they got themselves straight, they were unbelievable. I mean, (laughs) 
Oh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, Ric Flair was the perfect guy to pass the torch to Triple H. Triple H, you know, Triple H already had the torch. And Triple H is the perfect guy to pass the torch to Batista and Randy Orton. Arguably, it's so difficult with the NWO. It's so difficult with D-Generation X. It's so difficult with the Horsemen. But so arguably, as far as I'll go, it's arguably. But Evolution is arguably the greatest faction of all time. Man, that's putting it big. I always felt like Evolution. Arguably. I I said I have. The word arguably is very prevalent. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, though. People hold evolution in high standard. Like, I didn't realize until I probably started getting on, like, social media and Twitter and talking more wrestling. And I was like, yo, people really will argue about evolution. Like, no, evolution was the best. And um, when I think of evolution, I feel like they wanted to do the four horsemen. But you know Vince. No, it's got to be different. It's got to be new, first time ever. And Triple H was like, give me Flair as my manager. And we will make magic happen. And it worked. And I think at first Flair was just supposed to hang out with Triple H. But then it was like, oh, you know what? We need we need a partner. We need we need we're gonna go against these four guys. Come on, get in there, Rick. And then when they're shooting the vignettes, bro, I know you remember the you know the Titan Trons, the videos that play behind them. They were in the club. Helicopter clubbing, they were they were riding all four riding Ferraris. And I think that's when Flair started to feel like Flair again. He was hanging out in the club. Put, putting them in there with young guys who could go. And he was like, I could do this still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can make this work. Oh, no, you're doing this wrong. And I think he started feeling like I'm on top again. And I'm working with the world champ. We got the world belt. And I think he, he started then to build that confidence. And it, it was lovely. It worked. And Tokyo brings up Triple H's reign of terror. Now, bro, if you guys have been following me for any time, you know I absolutely hate this time period. I thought so many people should have went over but, but I cannot front and act like Triple H is some bad wrestler. Triple H doesn't have a mind for wrestling. He does. He was following orders as well. Triple H didn't book the stuff. He just had influence over it. There's only one thing that Triple H should have done that I don't like that he didn't do. Triple H should have demanded either one, either one of two things in a scenario. He should have demanded, you know, I, I would have pulled out the Stephanie, I'm, I'm your daughter's fiance card on this one. I would have never allowed Vince to put me in a position to say that racist joke to Booker T. And if I I was forced, if I was forced as Triple H being a Caucasian man, okay, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but if I was forced as Triple H to be a Caucasian man and say a controversial joke like that that he said to Booker T on last episode, then, then there would have been no alternative. Booker T has to win the world title at WrestleMania. I so, still think that was a huge mistake that they didn't so, do. So that. that's the only thing I look at Triple H and like, yo, okay, you know what? You messed up on that one. Other than that, he was just doing his job. Yeah, and I love the Evolution feud with um, Shawn Michaels. I love what they were doing at the time with. Um, listen, who would have ever thought that we would see all of these guys together again? And going back to what Foul just said in the chat, Foul said that evolution is what made him love Ric Flair again. That is very interesting, in my opinion. That's a a good point. These guys were coming out dressed up. And this picture right here, I just realized what this is from. This is one of my favorite moments. The briefcase is right there. Batista was out. And at that point, they were contemplating replacing Batista with Mark Jindrak. Listen. 
listen, Jindrak wasn't bad though. I don't think I liked Mark Jindrak. God, what a how different would life have been? Yeah, that's got to be one of those kicker moments. But Batista came back and he he cashed in on Goldberg. Triple H put a bounty on Bill Goldberg, and I'll never forget him putting his leg in between the chair. He's like, ah, I'm getting that money, baby. And I loved it. It just made them all about the bread, the cash. And what was the end goal? Protect Triple H. And they were telling great stories within it. First, Orton wins the title. You never thought it. Orton was just the young rookie guy. He's getting a world title shot against he who we shall not speak of. And he wins. I never thought it. The guy's going for the crossface. Orton flips around. RKO, he wins. Then Triple H says, yeah, you know, you got to give me the 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 match, you know. he he they, they He acts like he supports them. They're doing the... I remember that, and I'll never forget. The first time they did it was so great. Boom. Thumbs down, and Batista dropped him. They they thought Ort was going to be this great baby face. Conrad, let me tell you something, brother. Okay? Who? Now, as much as I like Randy Orton, okay? Randy Randy Orton overstepped his damn bounds, okay? He overstepped his damn bounds. Who the hell? Who are you? Just because I can't beat Chris Benoit doesn't mean you go out and you decide you want to beat. You wait until I'm able to beat him, okay? You wait until I'm able to get to you. You know what? You're walking around with my belt, okay? Who the hell do you think you are, Randy Orton? Well, we know what happened the next month. It's all about the game, (laughs) pedigree, and he took back his title. Rick, Rick taught him, treat him like the sting. Treat him like Sting, baby. You thought you were in the horseman? I lied. Boom. Knocked him out. <laughs> Sting fell for it twice. Twice. But you know what? Um, we- and I think where they told the most beautiful part of the story, bro, and I know this is getting away from um, Flair, but Flair was within Evolution. Yeah, that was part of it. It, I think the best part that, of the story that they had told was easily the Batista Triple H. One of my favorite things that no one ever brings up from that story, they were in a chat. Mobile, whoever that is, shout out to y'all. I know yeah. I'm sure your phone is just registered under Boost Mobile and you can't see the name, but whoever said that, shout out to you. Appreciate y'all. And if you are the Boost Mobile CEO, we are open for sponsors. If you are the Boost Mobile up. CEO, we are open. You're, you're right, Conrad. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> right? So, so in this, Batista and Triple H were in the match, and Batista got hit with the move. I can't remember who it was. And Triple H could have saved him where he could have uh, been like, you know what? Me and Batista will get this. And it was for the title, though. And he let Batista get penned. And in the background, you see Triple H stand up like he could have, and then he fell back in the corner like he couldn't help him. And I was like, dirty dog. And that's when I knew they were setting up for that. Go back and watch it. What are you talking about? In a cha- Oh, okay. We're going to play the Triple H card. Nah, Big Dave, you got to go fight JVL, man. That's what you need to do, man. He tried to get up. He had lost a lot of blood, okay? He couldn't stand up. He would have helped Batista. First, let me take my glasses off. You don't think Triple H is benevolent of a wonderful human being as he is? Wouldn't go out. I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> I was wait. I was waiting for the foolery to be done. <laughs> Shout out to Juggernaut. Like scumbag. <laughs> Shout out to Juggernaut in the chat because I'm not listening to this foolishness that Sean was just trying to bring <laughs> to the table. You know who he sent? He sent Batista's former tag partner. They were tag team champions. They beat the Dudleys. 
Ric Flair and Batista were tag champs. They sent Ric Flair out there to tell Batista to go for that world title, the WWE title, fight JBL at WrestleMania. And it came back once again. They're doing the contract signing. Batista picks up the SmackDown contract, and they're clapping. They're like, yeah, yeah. And Batista looks at it, and then he picks up the Raw one, and he gave him the thumbs down. Batista bombed through the table. It was magic, bro. Batista's selfish. <laughs> I'm being I'm being a heel tonight, man. I'm being a heel. This is an honor of Ric Flair. I was gonna say true heel. Man. You're a selfish man. You guys could have owned the WWE, but no, you wanna you want you don't want to do the right thing for you don't want to do what's best for business. Here we go with this mess. <laughs> you want to do what's best for business. No, nah, um, no, nah, I, I love the fact that you turned on Triple H. That was great TV. Shout out to one of the mods in the chats. Uh, Ace says, remember when Randy and Edge defeated uh, Ric Flair? You know what? Funny you bring that up. We will get to that. We will. He said, no, not a sponsor, but a big fan of you both. Keep up the great work. Boost Mobile, you are appreciated. Thank you for saying that. Um, Getting back into this, though. So, Evolution breaks up. Eventually, Batista becomes the champ. This is where Triple H finally decides to drop it. He loses three straight. He's down on his luck. There's only one person left to beat up within Evolution now. Or he's doing his own thing. Batista's out. Ric Flair and Triple H had some pretty good matches back then. And just to step out of my heel persona right now, I'm getting back to being regular Sean again. Um, you know, another little mini storyline that maybe we didn't pick up on at the time. Maybe Triple H was jealous of Ric Flair because Ric Flair had gold and he didn't. You got to remember, Ric Flair beat. Uh, Carlito would become Intercontinental Champion. So Ric Flair walking around with a strap while Triple H has nothing. Yeah. Yeah, Ric Flair's Intercontinental title reign was I was shocked when they did it. I I was not expecting that at the time. Ric Flair just kind of became the dude who shocked me with some of the stuff he ended up doing. I thought after the stuff with Evolution, I'm like, oh, Flair's done. He's got to go and be a manager. He's not going to wrestle anymore. The dude became the Intercontinental Champion like within months. Really? And, was like, and you know yeah. what, bro? And not even a novelty. Feel me on this. Not even a novelty Intercontinental Champion. He was a legit. He he held that title pretty darn good for a guy north of 50, 60 years old. Yeah, yeah. He held it down when he was the IC champ. Now, the one thing that did kind of make me sad was the um, that they were like having him and Carlito feud, and then they were on like the pre-show of WrestleMania twenty three. Yeah. That sucked. That sucked. Yeah, I was just kind of like, uh. Okay, mm-hmm. I, why they did that, I have no clue. Maybe eventually they would uh, figure out a way to to get it together. But yeah, they were that that feud was really good. That 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 match at Unforgiven, that match at Unforgiven was really good. As we wait for Kyra to come back, you know, for for me, oh, there we go. So yeah, it was it was a great match they put on at Unforgiven. You know, where Ric Flair punches the the apple out of Car- uh, Carlito's mouth. So then for them to be on the pre-show is just unacceptable. And within the next year, people it just got brought up by Ace in the chat. Ric Flair and this is the hot rod. Roddy Piper became the tag team champions. I believe this was at a Taboo Tuesday or a Cyber Sunday, one of those pay-per-views where they got voted in. Yeah, the they tag team got voted in, so it was one of those interactive pay-per-views. Yeah, they beat the Spirit Squad, which was the right call in my opinion back then. I wasn't a fan of them, but... You see Sergeant Slaughter. It was kind of like a hurrah for the legends. They didn't hold the titles too long. They ended up getting beat by Randy Orton and Edge, who were uh, rated RKO at the time. 
And Flair would kind of just waver for the rest yeah. of the year until they got towards the final storyline, Sean. And I'm going to kind of start to let you set that up in 2008. Vince McMahon well, just came out, and it was random. It was random, but but it, it started with a Ric Flair interview. Ric Flair was in the ring, and there had been some rumors about what Ric Flair was going to do. Because as you accurately stated, my brother, he was kind of fledgling at this point. Really no, no rhyme or reason. And when you're off TV for that amount of time and not really doing much for that amount of time and you're north of 60 years old, people start thinking, okay, maybe this is it. So Ric Flair comes down to the, to the ring and he's talking about the speculation about possibly retiring. And he says, I will never retire. And the crowd goes insane. But you all know. The ultimate buzzkill was not too far away. No chance. That's what you got. Here comes Vince McMahon. And Vince McMahon says, oh, you don't want to ever retire? Well, you don't have to retire as long as you never lose. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Ric Flair from probably, I believe it was either December of 2007 or January of 2008, he had to win every single match he was in or he would be fired, and forced to retire from WWE. That was a storyline. So that basically set the stage. Ric Flair would beat people like MVP uh, on, on um, excuse me, MVP at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. He would sit up here and, uh, that's right, foul original, I will never retire! Um, <laughs> um, you know, he would beat people like, Randy Orton, the W, the reigning WWE champion. He beat on the go-home show of WrestleMania. Randy Orton was a WWE champion, and he beat Randy Orton clean with the figure four in a non-title match. But there was a guy. There was a guy. Oh, my God. You're talking about the guy who I consider to be the greatest in-ring performer of all time. He's like, I don't want to do it but I'm going to have to do it, which sets the stage for what we thought 14 years ago was Ric Flair's final match. Ric Flair, the 16-time world heavyweight champion, one-on-one with the heartbreak kid at WrestleMania with Ric Flair's career on the line. I love the build-up to this match. It was absolutely fantastic. The, uh, The whole... Old Yeller promo, like, listen, I don't want to beat you, Rick. You're one of my favorites. He was, you don't think you don't think I can fight? You don't think old Yeller? Oh, and that's all I can remember was him just oh, smacking him right across his face. And one of my absolute favorite moments was Sean. After he got slapped, he didn't slap Flair back. Back, he decided to, you know, they love that dog, and he put the sign to his head, and I was like, yo, that is, if you've never seen Old Yeller, it is traumatizing. I do not recommend people who are animal lovers watch it, but I got the reference in it that he was taking the he was taking the old dog out to the barn is basically what he was saying. Something that was all right to say back then. And these two put on what I think was an absolute banger. It was a banger. I thought it stole the show that night. I love that comment. Yes, it was 14 years ago, if you, if you can believe that. Going on 15. Yeah. WrestleMania next year will be the 15-year 15 15 anniversary of that match, yes. Unbelievable. Shout out to Big Paws on the Pup joining us, my man JPQ. Appreciate you, brother. Hashtag watch stardom. 
And um, yeah, this this match was absolutely great. I love the story, and Sean went all out in this one. When he did that moonsault and cracked his ribs across the table, I was like, ooh, I know that hurt, bro. I know it hurt. He was out there bumping for whatever he could. Oh, he was going ahead. I love the uh, the super kick where he looks like he wants to do it and then he does it. And Flair's like, I'm putting you in the figure four, bro. My career's on the line. I don't care. And he locks it in. And the, the best moment is the, obviously, the I'm sorry, I love you. And Flair's getting up crying because he knows this is the last, in our minds, this is the last bump he will ever take in a WWE ring, I guess is the best way to put it. He gets up with the tears. Sean super kicks this man's lights out. Flair goes down. Sean pins him one, two, three, and Sean is down there telling him he loves him, and Sean leaves him to have the ring to himself. This was the start of Ric Flair getting what I think, and I mean this from my heart of heart, the greatest send-off in pro wrestling history. Nobody will ever get – this was like getting to see your Hall of Fame all in front of you that weekend. It was all about Flair. This is what got me back into pro wrestling. That WrestleMania, I always tell people, got me really back into wrestling. Like, I was wavering during some of that evolution time period and stuff. This is when I was like, yo, this is really good, man. I really love how they did that. It, it was great, and it was it was, it was was compelling storyline writing. You know, Ric Flair, we, we found out later on that Ric Flair probably did not want to retire. It was probably a decision that was made for him. But once that decision was made, once that decision was made, it was a situation where it was like Ric Flair said, you know what, I'm going to go out like the 16-time champion I am. You know, I'm uh, not worrying about the future, not worrying about tomorrow. I'm going to make this the greatest storyline from, like I said, all the way from the Royal Rumble, beating MVP, beating Randy Orton on Raw, like, you know, the challenge of HBK. And you're going up against a man, like I said, that many consider, not just me, the greatest of all time in, in Shawn Michaels. And he just tore the house down. He turned back the clock, Conrad. He turned back the clock. And like you said, it was a weekend send-off like none of that. I was just talking to my dad. Big shout-out to my dad. Uh, appreciate you. I was just talking to my dad about um, Ric Flair and that match as we prepare. And we're going to get into Ric Flair's last match coming up soon. So we don't fight TV. Don't worry about it. But listen, I was talking to my dad. And I was just saying, listen, uh, long story short, there's no send-off in, like that in history of sports. I don't recall in the history of sports there being a send-off like that. I mean, you can think about Derek Jeter getting a standing ovation in enemy territory at, uh, at Fenway Park. You could talk about Wayne Gretzky's final skate. You could talk about anything you want to talk about. But Ric Flair and his send-off at WrestleMania 24. That raw after. Oh, man. I get, uh, so, so thank you for saying. So you got the Hall of Fame the night before, which pretty much everybody knew. Once the Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania was established, people started putting two and two together. This probably was going to be it. So you had the Hall of Fame the night before, a five-star match at WrestleMania, and then Raw was a the Raw send-off had me in tears. So I, I don't know, man. Like, it, 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 honestly, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but it, it makes me sad though because it's like it won't get any better than that, and now. Here we stand 14 years later. It's like, I don't know, but let's talk about that in a minute. Yeah, it was just great. They had the horsemen come out. Everybody was out there. Ricky Steamboat, the Undertaker came out. He kind of, he like paid homage to Ric Flair and he didn't need to. 
Hager usually didn't do that. They had Vince come out, show him some love. I mean, dude, great send-off. We saw Charlotte Flair before there was a Charlotte Flair out there crying. Reed Flair, his son, who everybody – I thought Reed Flair was going to be a big deal when I found out he was going to Japan. Um, R.I.P. to Reed, man. A lot of stuff was going on during that time period, and we just thought Flair was done. Flair would stick around. He took part in WrestleMania 25. Chris Jericho kind of assisted in beating him up as he managed the Legends. It was weird how Flair couldn't go into the ring, but then we have Jimmy Snuka in there who couldn't do anything. Very weird behavior from WWE on that one. But he managed the Legends. Uh, They put on great matches. But Flair kind of wavered out again. He would make his appearances. He gave Sean his watch. He would show up for, like, pep talks and pep rallies and different things like that. Honestly, Ric Flair was the catalyst for Jericho's awesome heel turn. People don't remember that, too. He yelled at Shawn Michaels like, yo, dude, (laughs) you lied. You lied that you were faking an injury uh, during that match. Why did you do that? You took away Ric Flair from us, and and then he just turned heel from it. It worked. It worked, man. It was excellent. It was excellent. It just shows you how valuable Ric Flair is and was to the business. But, you know, you just can't. Look, I'm going to be fair, man. You know, I love love Fight TV. I have so much respect for for Ric Flair and and so much love and appreciation for what he's done for the business. And I'll be watching on 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 Sunday night. It turns out to be Sunday night exclusively on Fight TV. It's a must watch as part of Starcast. But it's like WrestleMania 24. Like it just doesn't get any better than that. Or am I wrong? Maybe we'll talk about that too. Yeah. We'll bring it up. I mean, I guess we can get into the the last parts of this stuff here. Um, Ric Flair would just go on to kind of be – he would wrestle in TNA. It, it, I don't know how you felt about it, Sean. I watched it. It wasn't the same. He wrestled in dress clothes every time. He looked like he was trying to cover up his body. This is the same dude who had the last match on Nitro with Sting. It, it wasn't the same Flair. He was just going out there. He was going out there for the check is what it felt like. He left and – I, I remember watching, shout out to ESPN, I remember watching the Bo Jackson documentary, the Bo Jackson 30 for 30, um, and, and and Mike Greenberg was talking about how Bo Jackson came back. You'll understand the correlation in one second. Um, how uh, Bo Jackson was amazing when he was Kansas City Royal and a uh, L.A. Raider. But when he broke his hip and then had to only play baseball. It was a miraculous comeback. He came back to play baseball for the Chicago White Sox. And the way Mike Greenberg said it, he would show flashes. He would show flashes. Bo Jackson would show flashes of that guy that took the world by storm. Bo Jackson would show flashes of the only man in history to be an MLB and NFL All-Star. But it wasn't that way anymore. It was just flashes. And that's what Ric Flair was in TNA. It was just flashes. Yeah, he had that great woo-off with Jay Lethal, probably one of their highest-rated YouTube clips, I would guess, because I still see it played to this day. He had matches with Sting. That was his last match over there. He he had feuds with, like, Cactus Jack. He was an immortal. He managed AJ. They tried to do some different stuff with him. Eventually, time would pass, and he would come back to the WWE, and he was just making shots after that. He was there for his daughter, Charlotte, and he got to kind of take in, like, These are my kids, and I get to watch them wrestle now. And I thought that was a good role for him. He got to fall back a little bit. He fell into, like, the legends role that they have. He would show up here and there. He would get to do some things. He would get honored at NWA. And 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> mess with Batista. Uh, they have evolution reunions and things like that. And I guess that brings us to this weekend, like you had just it brought really, up. It really does. I mean, it's a it's a five decade career that that seems to be culminating, and um, I'm fairly confident. I don't know about you, Conrad, but I'm fairly confident this is going to be it. Um, let's get into this thing, man. You know, Fight TV has separated themselves to be the number one combat sports streaming service in the world. And I'm so happy that myself and Conrad are associated with them in this regard because we're talking about Ric Flair's last match as part of StarCast 5. Um, the good people over there at StarCast, including Conrad Thompson and many other people, are just, I mean, the Fight TV people, the trailer people. It's just amazing what's going on right now. And when we're talking, we're, we're going to be right in the, the crux of – I'm not going to call it SummerSlam weekend. Shout out to SummerSlam, but it, this is Ric Flair weekend, and it's going to be one of those times that you're always going to remember. You know, you got the Kevin Nash podcast. You got the Matt Hardy podcast. Everything's going to be live from the, the 29th all the way through the 31st, all taking place from the fairgrounds, a.k.a. the Flair grounds in Nashville, Tennessee, starting on this coming Friday afternoon, Friday morning, actually. They're going to be stuff all weekend. GCW, there's a GCW pay-per-view on deck. It's not part of the, um, the, let me make sure I got my facts straight. I never want to misrepresent. Um, basically, there's some stuff going on with GCW, not included in the StarCast package, but it's going to be a GCW pay-per-view, a New Japan pay-per-view. Black Label Pro is going to be putting on something crazy. Those are not included in, uh, those events are not included in StarCast, but listen, I implore you to look into those as well. A really intriguing part. This is like a part of a huge package, StarCast package. I include, I implore you to uh, try and get be a part of Soraya. Soraya, am I saying that right? Uh, Paige's real name? Yes, yeah, Soraya. Uh, she's going to be doing uh, Turning the Page. And yes. while she's there, uh, I think Brian Zane's going to be the one hosting it. Uh, you got Mick Foley's pod as well. You mentioned Click This. Johnny Gargano's going to be there with What's Next? capitalized NXT. That should be really good, especially with some changes that have been going on with uh, his former uh, friend, Papa H. Uh, You got 30 years later, Bret Hart's going to be talking about his match with the British Bulldog. Last ride with the four horsemen. It's going to feel so good to see the horsemen back together. There were all those rumors recently that they, Flair and Arn had issues. I hope they could patch that stuff up, man. Put that, life's too short, man. Put that stuff behind you. I always love seeing Rick and Arn together. It's just, it just feels right. Uh, you got the sessions with Renee and uh, Brian Danielson. My man Chris Van Bleet's going to be there. The Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. Lots and lots of stuff happening uh, for all of this. And not to mention the the big reason why a lot of people are going to be there. Yes, and before, we, and before we get into this, and this is a wonderful card to break through, I am really looking forward to Friday night, the 29th, the Ric Flair Roast. It's going to be an all-star cast of cast of characters from wrestling personalities to mainstream personalities. You understand, Ric Flair crosses over into the mainstream. There's going to be some major, major names, some exclusive names that are popping up to be a part of the Ric Flair roast. Let me see this. Okay. Okay. I can respect it, Boost Mobile. We we Uh, will agree to disagree. Okay. All right. I respect it. Uh, you know, I'll read it. Boost Mobile said that he thinks Ric Flair went out there, his mind and heart uh, 
still loves what he loves and his body just couldn't hang as much more such a life yeah that that's what it is man with pro wrestling well, can, can we talk about that for a couple more minutes i just want to go back and say um first of all great comment uh bruce mobile great comment um to whoever's behind that phone i appreciate you i appreciate y'all here's the deal though it, it had respectfully it had to be about the money because if rick i mean you know even if i even as i say that i i question it he loved it. Yes, he loved it. There's no question he missed the business. But how can you top a send-off like WrestleMania 24? How can anything you do in this life, in this wrestling world, be any better than WrestleMania 24? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Now, we stand here 14 years later. We stand here 14 years later. Who spoke a real classy, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. Whoever is a real classy individual. Shout out to so much class, so much respect. Appreciate that. Um, but it's like, I'm excited. Now, we're, we're standing here 14 years later, getting ready for a main event card that's going to be headlined by Ric Flair. And we're excited about it, right? Now, that just shows you how amazing Ric Flair is. But it's going to take a lot for him. All I'm saying, it's going to take a lot for him to over override, you know, 24. 24 was just, I don't know, man. Yeah, and and we know, dude. He loved to spend money. Flair loved to buy out the bar. He loved hosting and putting on a good time. So, like we said, agree to disagree. I think we're both right in a way yes. with it when we talk about it. Foul says he's excited for the rose. He wants to see how he takes it and who's coming. Yeah, I I, I would imagine we're gonna see like Barry Windham. I wouldn't be surprised if Steamboat still shows up. Conrad Thompson's probably gonna be rolling. I got an exclusive. Uh, I got an exclusive kind of insider deal with um. With Fight TV, as far as some information, I got they the, the list of people who are coming out to roast them is still growing. They, this 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 is turning into this is turning into a who's who of entertainment. This is going to be big. I can't reveal the names that I've heard. I can't reveal because I don't I don't delve into rumors. But I'm telling you, he didn't this tell me. story. I I shut up. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> My brother, you know I come on, man. I'm gonna put you on, but my, I'm telling you, bro, this is gonna be a list of people. You're gonna be surprised. Like, all I'm gonna say is that Ric Flair is bigger than wrestling as it pertains to who's coming out for this roast on Friday night. Mm. Okay, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Six said, hoping Bill Burr will be there. He's a huge fan of Flair, man. I will cry. Bill Burr is one of my favorite comedians. I will be in tears. I guarantee it. If Bill Burr shows up for it, but Sean, let's run this down, man. Let's run this down. This Ric Flair last match card, man. Um, I'll, I'll let you get into it because I've only seen some of the names for like that bunkhouse battle royal. I don't know who's all in it, but I've seen a couple people say like, "Yeah, I'm in." Well, the bunkhouse battle royal still—that's another—that's another, that's another uh, facet of the weekend that's still yet to be determined as it relates to who's going to be in it officially. But um, so we'll, we'll kind of like gloss over that, even though it has the potential to be a really good match. But I'm really excited about Josh Alexander against Fatu. I think that Josh Alexander is starting to separate himself as one of the best wrestlers in the world. You have the Impact World Champion, a guy who really climbed the mountain against somebody I respect, being Moose. I think respect, respect is due to Moose. And he beat him. He beat him in the middle of the ring and he became the new Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion. He'll be defending his title against Jacob Fatu. You have Kerry, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, you have, you have uh, Bill, Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. 
uh, with Arn Anderson in his corner. Nice, like you said earlier, nice to see that Arn Anderson is going to be in the building for a night of this uh, of this magnitude. Going up against uh, Ricky Morton, uh, Robert Gibson is going to be in the corner. It's going to be a crazy, crazy situation to see them together. I believe their last match, match the um, the Rock and Roll Express last match is coming up pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah, I think they're doing some final tour too. I know uh, Ricky Morton's been trying to make sure his son, he's in the NWA. And what I love about this too, hold on, I'm going to put us back on here real quick so you can see our beautiful faces. What I love about all of this too is you're going to get the announcers from those respective companies uh, as well. We're going to have people from Impact. We're going to have Tom Hannafan in there. You're going to have people from MLW show up to call the action. And I love that. It just brings it in and it makes it feel like the wrestling world is united. That forbidden door, as we all like to say, has been open. And they're all coming together for this event to put on a great show. And this could be show of the year. This might be on those what was the best pay-per-view of the year? You may see this one pop up because the action looks jam-packed in it. Like you said, you're getting some mix with old and new. Jacob Fatu is that boy. If you don't know, you will find out. Josh yep. Alexander's been on another level. You mentioned uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson. That's a look at legends who we spoke about in this Ric Flair retrospective. Their kids are wrestling now, and they're going up against the Rock and Roll Express father and son team. That's absolutely insane. You also have the women going at it. Impact. You've got Rachel Ellering, Deanna Perrazzo, and Jordan Grace battling it out for the knockout championship. Mark my words, my brother. Mark my words, my brother Conrad, and everybody listening out there. Mark my words. Ellering is coming. You understand me? That young lady is a talented. Win, lose, or draw on Sunday night. Ellering is coming. I'm a fan of all three. I think they've got something to prove, and I hope they go out there and steal the show. My brother, we have Triple A on this show, and I don't know if you guys know why they picked this match, but these guys had a banger five-way, and they got four of the people from the five-way in this. You have Ray Phoenix from AEW, Tarus. You may know him from Impact as Black Tarus, or you may know him as Tarus from Triple A, Laredo Kid, and Bandito. This match is going to be insane. If you love luchador action, I promise you this is one not to miss. And I know you're like, Tarus is a big dude. Don't matter. This dude can do all the lucha stuff that you will be shocked when you see it. You also have New Japan Pro Wrestling, Clark Connors and Ren Narita getting ready to go at it. Uh, The New Japan strong side of things is looking real good. Clark Connors just had an amazing performance as a fill-in. At the AEW New Japan pay-per-view, he's going to hold it down. And if you don't know about Ren Narita, he's going to be one of the stars on the come up. Tanahashi and all these guys aren't going to be around too much longer. Their time is going through right now. Look at the future of New Japan. Watch Ren Narita, the Shota Aminus. Look out for these guys. I'm telling you, they know that they're building them up. And I'm going to let you take over on this tag team match, bro, because this this is about to be some 80s old school. And if it's as good as what we got at Ring of Honor... This is going to be a really good match. It's crazy. you got the next generation of the Von Erichs coming out. It's going to be the Von Erichs representing going up against a team that just had a, a, a five-star. If there was such a thing as a six-star match, it would be talked about. The Briscoes versus uh, FTR was absolutely amazing. Coming off the heels of that amazing match at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, you have them going up against the new school Von Erichs. you got the Wolves going up against one of my favorite tag teams of all time. And by the way, they still got it. The Motor City, the Motor City Machine Guns. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be in the building going up against the Wolves. Very, 
very intriguing matchup being represented by Impact Pro Wrestling. One of my favorite wrestlers in the game right now, just because of the fact that he's on the resurgence after his WWE departure, Killer Cross, along with Scarlett, is going to be going up against Harry Smith. You have that all wrapped into one, and that doesn't even begin to talk about the pay-per-view main event that we're all looking forward to. You guys saw the Fight TV preview. You guys saw what happened after the press conference. You all saw the attack in the parking lot. It was an amazing setup. It's an amazing storyline, and it's being built up in real time and in real life. Blood, sweat, and tears. Ric Flair is not half-stepping on this thing. But I'm going to tell you something. The man who a lot of people believe is his protege, at least his protege in, in, in merit, Jay Lethal, he's coming out to win this match. And Jeff Jarrett and Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett's father and Ric Flair had a lot of heat back in the day. That's a very, very real thing. Do not get it twisted. You can tell when you watch Conrad uh, Thompson, got two amazing Conrads in, in the world of a wrestling podcast, Cushman and Thompson. But in this case, Thompson had Jeff Jarrett, was the host of Jeff Jarrett's show. And Jeff Jarrett was like, listen, this is personal. This is real talk. And speaking of personal, Ric Flair uh, enlisting the help of his brand-new son-in-law, Andrade. July 31st, let me say this, man. July 31st has the ability on paper to be just as impressive as July 30th. We all know what's coming July 30th. But July 31st, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm a wrestling fan. I'll be watching on July 30th, and you all know what I'm talking about. But I'll tell you one thing. When July 30th comes and goes, and when that pay-per-view signs off, I'm not going to believe that my wrestling weekend is over. I'm going to believe that my wrestling weekend is just beginning. And I promise you, you will too. Keep in mind, once again, Conrad, I want to remind the people, my brother GCW, New Japan, and Black Label Pro are all going to be putting on major productions this weekend, major shows this weekend, not included in the StarCast 5 package. Please be aware of that. I'm sorry to say, but it is what it is. Listen, there are so many things. We just showed you the breakdown of what's coming up on StarCast 5. It's a massive lineup. So believe me, go to fight.tv right now and order StarCast 5 right now. Don't wait till the last minute. Just like in the old school days when Mean Gene would say, don't wait till the last minute. Don't wait till the last minute. Go order right now. Unfortunately, GCW, New Japan, and Black Label Pro are not part of that package. But believe me, five-star stuff coming up this weekend. This is what wrestling is all about. I just want Ric Flair to chop Jeff Jarrett and say, you were never a horseman every time. Just, you were never a horseman. You were never a horseman. I can't wait to see what happens in that matchup. Uh, that one had some old school tendencies. Uh, it should be good, man. I think we're going to get a hell of a show this weekend. And, uh, yeah, shout out to Fight TV if that's where you guys want to go to check out everything. They've got you covered when it comes down to Ric Flair's last match. Who would have ever thought Jim Crockett Promotions would be running an event and Vince McMahon is not part of the event that he's running? Who would have thought that this would happen? Absolutely insane. Ric Flair's last match. Sean, take us out of here, man. You know, professional wrestling has been a part of my life since five years old. Since five years old. Um, And and I, I look back on on Ric Flair's career, and I'm so honored. I, this may sound real cliche, maybe crossing over into corny, but I'm so thankful to share this with you, Conrad, because you are my brother in this thing, man. 
we, you know, for people, for those of us, the, of y'all that don't know, Conrad and I have crossed over from just being, you know, brothers in wrestling to brothers, period. And and it's a blessing because we get to share and think back about the past as well as look forward to the future. We are uh, uh, the age that allows us to be young enough to embrace the new school and old enough to remember the old. And this weekend is what that's all about. You feel me? This weekend is what it's all about when you say I'm embracing the new and remembering the old. Um, you have, you know, I mean, obviously StarCast has been, and Fight TV have been classy enough to at least put that little blip on the uh, the flyer about everything being closed for SummerSlam Day. So we can mention SummerSlam. SummerSlam is coming up July 30th. Okay, let's, you know, let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's coming. Um, and we're going to see Reigns and Lesnar. Lesnar's going to be a great night. But Rich, think about Rich Flair and Jeff Jarrett in the same ring. Jay Lethal, Andrade. Rich Flair last match pay per view is going to be something I'm always going to remember. I don't think they're going to screw this thing up. I don't think we're going to look back on July 31st on Fight TV at Starcast Five and say with any kind of dud or any kind of letdown. It's going to be amazing. Big shout out to Fight TV and the entire staff over there. I appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys. The camaraderie and the friendship and the the wrestling community uh, ism has been tremendous. Conrad, I appreciate you. Make sure you go to my channel right now, Hubbard Wrestling Weekly, right here on YouTube. Click that subscribe button. I'm going to make a major announcement right now. I'm going to make a, a moderate major announcement. I'm not going to go over the whole nine yards. But Conrad and I, let's just put it this way. Conrad, Cushman, and I, this collaboration that we've had over the last two days is not just a two-day thing. We have some major, major things in the works and we have come to the realization that um, pro wrestling needs us, man. Pro wrestling needs us. This combination is a good combination, and the love we've gotten from you guys proves that. So we're going to be coming back with some major heat starting in the fall. We're going to be going to work all summer, all summer, preparing for some major heat coming in the fall. When football's back, when college football's back, when the baseball playoffs are on the horizon, Conrad and Sean. Hubbard Wrestling Weekly and EPW going to be bringing y'all some heat coming this fall. So make sure you look at it, look, look, look out for that, excuse me. But like I said, Fight TV, Starcade, Starcade, Fight TV, Starcast 5, JCP Promotions. It's going to be an epic weekend. HubbardWrestlingWeekly.com, Hubbard Wrestling Weekly on YouTube, Hub Wrestling Weekly, Hub Wrestling underscore MVP on TikTok, EPW on, uh, on YouTube, everything pro wrestling on TikTok. We're in the building. This is what it is. Proud to be here. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this one. Make sure that you guys subscribe to both of our channels to catch us with all the latest and greatest when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. And make sure that you guys order Ric Flair's final match. Woo!